It's turkey time. I can't believe you committed suicide. I cannot believe you committed suicide. I'm gonna take you to the bank, Senator Trent. To the blood bank. No, no, Mr. Stay! Mr. Cotchata Pinks! Must be weird not having anybody come on you. Welcome to episode three of the Rotten Reviews podcast, where we review Netflix movies with a Rotten Tomatoes rating of 50% or less. I am your co-host, Mike, alongside two of my oldest friends, Luke and Chris. And uh, yeah, here we are. We are on episode three, as I've already said. I cannot believe it. We made it. What a milestone, boys. What a milestone. Holy crap. How are we doing? How excited are we about this? I cannot believe it. This is a hundred and fifty percent past what I what the personal goal was. So it's amazing. Consistency is king, right? Let's just keep it going. I mean, you know, I thought we would just do one episode and that was it, but here we are. Ugh. I mean, the fans I mean, are just begging for more, so we have to give them what they're asking for, right? They, Sponsorships they wanted, are flowing in. Yeah, specifically, they wanted more awkward uh, silences. So let's try to let's try to give them what they want, guys. All right, we'll definitely hit them with a few today. I can already predict that it's going to happen. Uh, so, guys, I know uh, I know you guys love this part of the segment here of the show, but uh, uh, what have you guys been doing? Uh, what are you guys up to today? Uh, you know, anything interesting in your lives this week? That's a little personal, Mike, for a podcast. But. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I woke up eight forty-five. <laughs> poured okay, my sorry. cereal. Do you want to know what my cereal too, Mike? <laughs> Actually, I kind of do want to know what kind of cereal you're eating these days. Maple nut cluster bullshit. I don't know the actual name oh. of it. Okay, but it's got maple flavor. Are you a big and... healthy cereal guy, or do you like going for the Captain Crunch or like? Uh, Cinnamon I can't believe Crunch? they have they have Tim Ho- Tim Bits cereal now, Mike. Where? Birthday birthday cake. Where? At your local grocer. Uh, okay, I I need to try that. I did not know that was a thing. <laughs> yeah, the no. final nail in Tim Horton's coffin. You know how this has been going downhill for the past two or three years, like birthday cake, sugary <laughs> breakfast cereal, like just jeez. Yeah, they're completely selling out. I agree. They they're like, oh, we're not even going to try to like market the yeah. whole fresh thing anymore. Let's just no. Dude, I love how there's like a whole community of people that are just like, you have to go back to basics and like make your own donuts and whatever. I actually, and I kind of agree. <laughs> Don't give me those fucking chicken sandwiches anymore. Fuck. Just give me a donut. Turkey a bacon coffee. club. That's all I want. And chicken noodle soup. I'm fine. It, it's funny it, that, like, there's like a, there's two extremes now with the way people buy their, their food, right? There's, they're either eating like hungry man dinners or they're making <laughs> their own bread. So it's like the buying habits completely different. All right, look, in all honesty, though, that, that coffee is the worst coffee, but I still drink it. I, I don't know. I, I just, I can't resist a, a good Tim Hortons coffee. And it's not good. I don't even know why I said good in the, in the sense. The same, way, the same way we can't resist a good tangent away from the movie we're talking about, right? Well, this is the this is the small talk portion, right? Man, Chris is just not loving this. <laughs> <laughs> Our resident torpedo guest. Thank God. All right, Chris, give us your uh, your spiel, please. My spiel. I mean, you have to ask me what I've been doing this week. I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, uh, quarantine life has been hasn't really changed much for me. You know, what movie related things have you been doing? Is that better? <laughs> well, I rewatched the Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy, like the first three movies. Oh wow! And I find they actually really hold up well over time. 
the second one with the Kraken and Davy Jones is one of my favorite movies from back in the day, and it was actually a lot of fun rewatching it. So I'm with you. all you Johnny Depp haters and everything out there, you know. Chris, I mean, we watched. Anyways, we've spoken about this so many times, but we watched that movie like uh, what, like ten times in theaters for some reason. For some reason, it must have been a really slow summer. And we must have really not had anything else no, to do. No, we were we went through that weird phase where we thought it was funny to go to to the Coliseum on a Friday night and make fun of people when realistically we were the people that were. Just- oh, oh yeah, we sat. We were just sitting there and just making comments. I think. Eh? Yeah. Fuck. We I were remember, good. I remember uh, I went to see Lord of the Rings: The Return of the King with a friend, and it was like late at night. It was like 10 p.m. I ended up falling asleep like halfway through. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, the king's taking too long to return. I'm, I'm not, I'm not signed on for this. Wow, Lord, Luke, how dare you? Yeah, Lord of the Rings, man, nah, take it or leave it. <laughs> uh, talk about trilogy. <laughs> you don't want to divide the audience. All right, we just lost half our viewership, which is down to one now, so that's good. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, so, don't even get me started on Star Wars. <laughs> oh, hey, come on, come on, come on. That's, that's too far for me. That's, that's I don't want to talk about Star Wars. Star Wars, more like garbage asteroid wars. <laughs> guys, I'm just saying, I know you don't watch it, but there's a show called Star Wars Clone Wars. I, fu- I loved it back in the day when it was, I, I don't know, it stopped in like 2012, and they finally decided to bookend it, and it, they've released a season seven. It's fucking awesome, and I love it. And I'm just saying, all right, don't make fun of Star Wars, or else I'm gonna come at you, Luke. So, (laughs) I think a lot of people will, especially with my name. Well, Luke just attacked two of the biggest franchises in history, so we'll see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Expect some hate mail, Luke. I'm not even crazy about pirates. (laughs) Wow. Uh... Now, now Chris is pissed. Uh, All right, guys. So today. Uh, we've got a pretty uh, different movie here. We're going off our, our easy targets like Adam Sandler and uh, Nicolas Cage. Uh, we've chosen to watch In the Tall Grass. Uh, you know, I don't know anything about this movie. I don't think you guys do either. Uh, it is a based on a book, on a novella written by Stephen King. And I'm pretty sure his son as well. That's what I read really quickly. Uh, I don't have very many expectations for this. I don't like, uh, you know, suspense mystery movies. I get scared easily. I'm skittish. <laughs> you want to know what's in the, what you're saying is what you want to know what's in the tall grass right away. You I would like to know right away. I you can't be titillated. <laughs> uh, it's got, it's got a unimpressive uh, score rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It's got a 36% tomato meter. Uh, as usual, in the next episode, I'll reveal the audience score. Uh, but yeah, so what is, uh, do you guys have any, uh, any expectations before we get into the trailer? I've seen a few, uh, Stephen King movies, uh, a few that I really enjoyed and other ones where, uh, I just felt like I needed to take a shower after because Stephen King does have kind of like a creepy factor to a lot of his novels and it translates obviously to some of his movies as well. Um, if this is anything like the fog where there's like a little mystery as to what exactly is in these tall grass, then, uh, I'm all on board for that. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah. Uh, I think you meant the mist there, Luke. Not the fog. <laughs> Again, I <laughs> think you made that error before. Just had to clear that up. So the audience wasn't, it, to me, it looks more like a fog and that's why, but it's okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think this one will be interesting. Because Stephen King and his movies, it's it's weird because some of them are super highly regarded in the film industry, like The Shining, you know, yeah. 
one of the most well-known horror movies, but you know he has a lot of these cheesy, almost campy movies from the 90s. You know, there's one, I don't remember what it was called, but it was a guy who ate a piece of pie and then he became really skinny. Oh, yeah. The whole movie, he's just getting skinnier and skinnier. So it's just like ridiculous more than scary. So That's called uh, Thin, I think. Thinner, like thinner, thinner, something like thin that. Or something like that. And he's yeah. like a gypsy curse. Exactly. So there's yeah. some that are, you know, just completely ridiculous. And then there's some that are really serious and intense. So I don't know where this one's going to fall in that spectrum. But, you know, I'm curious to find out. Well, I don't know. anyways, I'm looking up. Yeah, I'm curious too. Because we were saying before we even hopped on here. I mean, uh, Stephen King is like hit or miss for me. Uh, I've, I've enjoyed some of his books. I don't know. The first part of it when it came out in, in theaters was pretty good, I thought, right? Like you said, The Shining is interesting. So, I mean, I guess we'll see, but I I don't know. Just reading the description of this movie, it's not giving me too much hope. And uh, I'm looking up the director here, actually. He he directed Splice. I don't know if you guys remember that movie. Weird, weird movie about like gene editing and stuff. And then he also directed uh, Cube. Chris, you remember Cube, oh, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, So, yes. you know what? It, it actually potential like, here. Yeah, there is potential, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And he's also a director on Lock and Key, which is like a TV show on Netflix. Oh yeah. Also written by uh, Joe Hill, Stephen King's son. Cool. Yeah. So there's a bit of connection there. So, anyways, without further ado, Luke, uh, lead us into uh, Promised Land All here. All right. Let's crack this one off. Here it goes. Did you hear that? Someone out there? He's lost in here too. This is nuts. It's only a field. I'm never gonna find her. You can find things, but it's easier once they're dead. How long have we been here? I'm not sure. That sounded like me. This field doesn't make any sense. I'll name one thing in here that does. You think this is just chance? We're all here for a reason. Oh my god. Oh, 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. So there's a lot of grass. <laughs> yeah. It looks like it looks like the entire movie is gonna play in this in this yeah. grass field. Um, instant impression. Uh, you know, I've already declared my my hatred for, or I don't know if I did, but I don't like scary movies. Um, and there's obviously a kid in it, and obviously I'm gonna be scared of this kid because I hate kids in horror movies. So here we go. This is gonna be good. It sound the the way the trailer makes it sound like uh, they each realize that something's not right with the grass, but at different points <laughs> in the story. <laughs> hey, wait a minute! These grasses, there's something wrong with this grass here. <laughs> hey, now that you mention it, I think there is something wrong with this grass. <laughs> it's so, the yeah. grass. I hope yeah, it's kind of like that. It's like kind of almost verging on silly how like stupid the people are in this story. I hope it's like that. That'd be great. Yeah, for some reason, I have a feeling like the past few movies have known that there are stupid kind of bad movies and played into it. I think this one's going to be very serious. And I don't think there's going to be like self-awareness. And But, you know, right away off the trailer, you have you hit all the tropes of suspense horror movies. So obviously the, the evil kid, which is, which is a great one. Then there's a scene of someone walking through a church because there's always has to be some religious symbolism to it, you know? So there's a couple things there that I think I can see maybe where it starts to go down the rotten of the, the review of 36%, but you know, I'll go into it optimistically and, and try not to make too many judgments off the trailer and see, cause you know, those movies with like gimmicks, you know, when they're all filmed in one location, those can be interesting, right? But there's yeah. that one of the guy who's buried alive and the whole movie is just him kind of in the casket or whatever and it works or phone booth with Colin Farrell. So there's potential here for something interesting. We'll just see what they, what they do with it. It's just funny. Cause like this, this movie is called in the tall grass. And then he has the other one, the mist. It's like, he's just, what can I, what's an environment I can use that's <laughs> naturally creates suspense, you know, <laughs> the volcano. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I guess Chris is right though. We probably, I'll go in here open-minded, you know, this isn't, after all, this is not Adam Sandler or anything. And, whatever for all for all its faults i actually enjoyed the movie cube which this guy directed so oh it's a cult who knows who knows i mean maybe we'll enjoy it i just find it funny anyways horror movies always the same for me like i just get scared at like i get very like jumpy at those like suspense scenes but i just find it hilarious man even in this trailer like like hey what's that noise we should go into this really tall grass and then they go in and there you go. You go that way. I'll go this way. We'll meet. A, we don't. There's always there. one decision where you're like, if you had just not done that one thing, you would have totally been fine. Yeah. But you just you had to split up, like Scooby Doo. You know, every episode they always <laughs> split up. Why don't you guys stay together? Bring a flashlight. Keep the light on. You know, come on. Yeah, yeah this so, might be one of those movies where we're just kind of shaking our head the whole time at the decisions they make. But we'll I think I think that's the one thing I'm going to keep an eye out for sure. I always do that when I watch horror movies. It's just like. Uh, whatever as as we all do i think you know just watching the stupidest decisions they make logic uh, gets thrown out yeah. the window yeah basically all right guys well uh i mean we'll come back in a bit let's go uh, take our little break and watch this movie sounds, sounds good. good boys start all the right. popcorn take it easy peace all right we're back guys we're back from a nice uh 90 minutes uh it was i thought it was actually not half bad i suppose uh there was a lot of like you know 
dragging on plot points, I thought. I mean, it, the first 20 minutes for me kind of drew me in, but then they didn't really close it out for me. Uh, what did you guys think? Yeah, I would echo the same kind of uh, what you said. Like, they really did a good job early on of establishing uh, the storyline. You know, it's a pregnant girl who is with this guy who apparently wants to bang her, who we later finds out is. Uh, yeah, it's a whole thing we'll no, get into. Man. But yeah. yeah. So yeah. this is this is this is kind of in a nutshell what this what the movie's like. It's like you think you have part of it figured out, and then a whole other thing happens. And uh, yeah, and then you just kind of get lost in the plot, uh, the maze-like plot that is kind of reflects uh, the environment they're in. Yeah, overall, like I agree with you guys. The beginning, I liked how they jumped right into the action. They didn't waste any time, like half hour of character development, which is an interesting way to do it, but they just kind of get you right into the field. So I was like, okay, you know what's going on. But I think they tried too many different things and they don't really tie up any of those things but there's like three or four reasons and weird plot points for things and the way it went and i just think it was a little bit too much yeah it gets a little bit muddled by the end of it and things don't get wrapped up and the characters are hit or miss a little bit so yeah I, i mean exactly you're you're in the grass literally within five minutes which i was honestly completely okay with i yeah, don't need a, I, I, I like that i didn't need to know a whole backstory and we sort of get fillers i guess throughout the 90 minutes that are kind of wacky and just I mean, enough yeah i mean to kind of keep to kind of keep you a little bit into the characters yeah yeah they're very much like straw man characters there's not a whole lot of depth to them and that's kind of uh that's partly the issue with why this wasn't probably wasn't rated that well is because uh when you're when you have a suspense movie you want to have some kind of feel to the characters and maybe uh, a little bit of loyalty to them a little sympathy for them and you kind of want to know what the stakes are um and then that way you have more of a reaction when some something bad happens to one of them these characters i didn't really care about that much uh i was more just trying to figure out who the real person was uh, behind the tall grass. If there was someone controlling the tall grass, that was the whole mystery for me. Characters, yeah. Man. yeah. Take them, leave them. Chris, it looks like you have something to say. No, <laughs> I, I was, just, I was thinking pretty much the same along what Luke was saying. I mean, I felt for the main woman, Becky. Yeah. Because I mean, nothing. She was in a situation, and the whole you know aborting the baby and giving it away. I think that's a plot point that we can relate to and understand that, yeah, okay, that's a tough spot for her. So I felt a little bit for her, but the other characters, they didn't really give you a reason to want them to survive. The brother was there just, oh, it's her brother, but then they go down a whole other left turn that I think was completely unnecessary. Just completely no point to that whatsoever. That was weird. And so then it immediately just kind of creeps you out and... You don't give a shit about him anymore. And then the other guy was kind of a douche and he tries to redeem himself, but I don't know. It's And then the other family, you don't know anything about them, so there's no reason for you to give a shit about them. Well, you only see the mom until the end of the at the end of the movie, right? Yeah. When you think about it, there's a lot of like Game of Thrones-like uh, elements to this movie. There's the, the incest brother and sister thing, which is weird. Uh, there's like the brand character in the, in the kid who kind of knows more than the normal people who were trapped in there um and you know beyond the wall is like the man versus nature and nature clearly is dominant 
Uh, I so, guess I guess it has a little yeah. bit of a Game of Thrones vibe to it. Yeah, <laughs> I guess tra- like, oh. Travis Travis could be like Jon Snow, just walks in there. <laughs> Man, this guy that was okay. So they're they're lost when he shows up to the to this to this church and he looks in the in the vehicle and he's like he sees like the sandwich that they were eating in the opening scene. I was like, okay, there's maggots all over the sandwich. How long is they have, have they been gone for? Which they establish in the field that it's been like over two months or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, first of all, this guy just walks in. He he's like cool as a cucumber the entire time. Like, did you not think that was weird? I thought he was just I thought way immediately too calm the like entire that's, time. That's like rule number one of a scary movie is like if you see a, a old abandoned church, don't walk into it. <laughs> if there's no one yeah. in there, like alone, you know. Yeah, just waiting for the ha- the the hammer to drop there in that scene. I thought, yeah, the opening scene and how they set the tall grass i guess the, the grass ends up being a character and you learn really quickly that there's weird things going on so that was really cool and it, it that whole it does i found it did a good job at setting that claustrophobic kind of thing because i think the fear of getting lost in a corn maze or something like that is real you know and could be pretty stressful so you get into it right away and then the fact that you know they're being separated by longer distances for no reason like when they jump up in the air i thought that was a cool way to set the tone for what what was coming. And so, you know, right away they start with the kind of the time travel thing, which was a little bit jarring. I didn't really understand how that worked, but that was cool. Like it was okay. It has potential. Let's see how they run with it. And yeah. what do you guys think about that? The whole time travel thing. So the thing is like on, in my opinion, like I didn't think that was cool. I, I didn't think that was, it just didn't make sense to me. Like, Literally right away, I was like, "Why are they even doing this? Like, I think why the, did you need I think to jump back and forth?" A large point of it was uh, was to disorient us, you know. Uh, well, it whole, did a really good job. The on whole me. effect <laughs> of having a non-linear plot is it makes you think harder, and then when the the then the time travel doesn't even make sense in your own head, uh, then it's even more disorienting. And we have to remember also, like, who direct is it? The same director as Cube, you said, yeah, the movie Cube. So yeah, exactly. Cube is kind of the same thing. They're moving the whole, the whole time. We have to keep moving, but then they end up basically back where they started. <laughs> Spoilers for Cube, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's that's that's kind of the whole point I think of the, the nonlinear uh, kind of time travels. Once that again, to try to disorient us. Something. It's not moving the story. It just ends up being something to try and mess with the viewer. Which and there were fine, a lot of cool, like fun house elements to this movie that I enjoyed. Like you mentioned, like them jumping and uh, yeah, there were a few other ones. The sun disappearing. He's like, "What? Yeah, <laughs> come on, <laughs> the sun." <laughs> yeah, I don't know, it, but like it works. It just I, I found it works better in Cube. Like that, I get what you're saying, Luke, but it just works better there. And like this, just to me, like you could have had a straight up good suspenseful movie had it not been so confusing that that's just the way i'm seeing that's Maybe. the way i'm looking at it like why why go over the board go overboard like that i think they went too balls deep into the supernatural but I, I get that that's a stephen king thing and all his movies always have a weird some kind of inanimate object that's haunted and, and goes at them but it would have been cool if it was just there was these mysterious elements to it but they didn't try and explain it and then you just saw the people go crazy and then do mess up shit to each other but i didn't really like how they tried to do this tribal uh, indigenous thing illusion yeah 
because it didn't they didn't explain it so it was just this guy was quoting some tribal stuff and that was it and there were some carvings of course carvings right and then they were walking through a church a few times but they never really talked about god or anything like that so yeah the pick church. one or don't do either of them yeah. like I, I don't know like if the you're carvings gonna do that... look like they were someone from present day trying to make an, an ancient hieroglyph <laughs> like the, the woman with the baby coming out and she's yeah, just got her arms like oh it's coming <laughs> yeah that's you know what that's a really good point chris the church it, it doesn't it's the church just plays like it could just be a building it's, it's just there. easy yeah it's very yeah, easy it's almost like, like it's almost that. just there yeah. as like a landmark like you're just like well there are all the cars and that's the church and like it just it makes no sense almost i completely yeah, agree it could, and the, it could have just been a gas station and it would have been the same thing yeah absolutely so so we meet the other family who's in the grass and then we meet the dad, the mom, and the son. And the son's the, basically what pulls in the two, the, the brother and sister from the, the road, right? And they're trying to help him, trying to find him. And then we meet the dad, who's played by Patrick Wilson, and immediately super creepy vibe, eh? Yeah, he, like I said... He's too good of a mood, this guy. I, yeah, Matt, I said, this, I said this off podcast, you know, whatever. I really did like the way he played it. I thought he was good. Yeah, he had like a very like Ned Flanders vibe about him, and like he's, something is just gonna snap, and it's he's gonna rip everyone's heads off. No spoilers, maybe spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> what else is this guy in, Patrick Wilson? Sorry, I'm seeing him from something, and I was trying to place him the entire movie. Doing a quick search here, boys. Been in something recently that was. I thought similar. actually the sound, the editing was pretty good in terms of like the nature sounds and then like walking through the mud and the wind going through yeah. the grass and stuff. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. There wasn't much need for a soundtrack in this movie because you can, they're in the tall grass. Right. So I, I, kept, said, I kept saying that to myself in my head because <laughs> they're in the tall grass. <laughs> <laughs> like they, they really set the mood well and the setting and everything was, was really good. The, the writing, I mean, was kind of typical horror suspense. I didn't think it was anything crazy probably the ross character played by patrick wilson had some of the more interesting lines yeah it's kind of the typical crazy spiritual oh just just drink the kool-aid man you'll love it yeah kind of thing you know that's the rock (laughs) i didn't mind that i I honestly didn't mind that but so to your point though i agree the setting like i said before the first 20 minutes really drew me in Uh, i was in i was like yeah this is this could this has a lot of potential to actually be a decent movie um but as I said before, too, uh, you know, for me, it's just like, man, give me more of, give me more about the tall grass. Give me, like, go deeper into this. Go deeper. Don't give me all that mystical stuff. Not, not yet, at least. Leave that for the end or whatever. But, you know, when, um, when her brother Cal is, like, freaking out and he's, like, kind of, like, crying or whatever. And he's like, oh, my God. Uh, I'm never going to get out of here. I'm never going to get out of here. And then he meets Tobin, the little kid. And he's like, oh, you could find things here. That for me, like, could have stretched out. I want to see him like go more into like madness. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're lost. You're you're claustrophobic. You're feeling like you're never going to get out. That would have been interesting. But instead, it's like you're just like Chris said at the beginning too. You're just kind of rushed through things. Well, it's like you know, in the plows through the story. In the pre part, I mentioned The Shining, and The Shining's so good because it puts you in this setting. But then the villain or the evil ends up being just the guy. And you have a sense that there's something supernatural weird going on, but you don't really know what's happening. And you just see Jack Nicholson's character go crazy, right? Right. So I think in this case, they should have kept to that kind of 
direction instead of going with the whole like grass people thing <laughs> yeah because the whole because <laughs> you have to address that yeah and yeah yeah a lot of time you're, you're thinking like what's what's the tall grass's end game here what are they trying to do anyways just collect a whole bunch of dead bodies inside the tall grass yeah was like, it just like they, just they, they learn they learn <laughs> pregnant women is that is that the point like i think i mentioned it before but how long has this grass been here and what if because the guy said oh the rock's been there for millennia or whatever right yeah, yeah when did so the grass get into the women? human stealing racket you know like <laughs> and is this was just the like, grass ever just have a family <laughs> like some tragedy happened to it <laughs> do they only learn pregnant women or do they, they it only finds a way to learn pregnant women because it's on the carving so yeah they shouldn't have any interest in anyone else but pregnant people yeah but you know what i think that that was I mean, that's just part of the movie, I guess. That was just like, oh, we needed to find a sacrifice. We need a baby sacrifice. And it just works as like a plot device. Because in the novella... Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But in the novella, right, we we both, uh, Chris and I, had reread the the description of it. It just says that at the end, it's only Tobin, uh, who is it? Tobin, Ross, Cal, and Becky. Those are the only people in the novella. And it ends with... I don't, they said like it ends with like a whole group of like uh, like kids going going to the church to like smoke a bunch of weed and they hear Tobin yelling and they all walk into the into the grass and that's how the novella ends. So yeah, so all the whole baby ritual thing they just added an that. addition added to it. Yeah. the and they're just yeah they're like not enough creepy weird shit is happening. We need yeah. more. I mean, yeah, I was reading some other reviews for it and they did touch on the fact that they found it was difficult for the director to stretch out the source material to make a movie. And I do agree with that, but I think it it could have happened. But like I said, they just tried too many different things instead of choosing one thing and going for it. And I really agree that they like went too far, like you said, Chris, into like uh, the fantastical. And if the whole movie was a tension between not knowing what's real and what's not, and like how lost they are and whether they, there's actually a way out that would, that would have kept me going the whole time. But after about 15 minutes, I was pretty sure that they were screwed. Like no matter what they did, you know, like, Oh yeah. Like they were never going to get up. Yeah. Like they can only find each other through like dead people or something. So like there wasn't any kind of a roadmap for success for the characters. And that's why I kind of tuned out at moments. Cause I was just like, Oh yeah, they're still trapped. (laughs) Because they keep thinking that running and yelling is going to help. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that was something I noted, man. It was just like there was. It, it was just a bunch of people yelling help. Uh, Tobin, yeah. uh, Cal, Becky, Becky <laughs> Travis, Ross. Yeah. It was everyone. And then I found it. So I found one scene was pretty funny when they're all. Uh, and I'm sorry, I'm sort of fast forwarding here, but near the end of the movie, when they're standing around that rock that everyone's gravitated towards and uh and travis is like oh sorry mister i think we're gonna go away and i was like man you've been you've been calling him ross the entire movie and now <laughs> yeah. you're addressing him as some guy you've never heard of before i don't Rapid, know why uh, i don't know change. why i thought that was funny like <laughs> sorry mister we gotta way go. to play it cool and he's like oh, yeah. okay well have a good time <laughs> see you guys later i'll go this way <laughs> Yeah. yeah. No, a lot of uh, lines that once again uh, don't seem like they would be said by real people. So it kind of makes the characters seem a little bit. Because nobody talks like that. <laughs> Should do a nobody talks like that segment. 
<laughs> Nobody talks movie. like that. Or that's not a real name. Tobin. <laughs> Tobin. Oh my god. What's a martini? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was honestly slightly worried uh with the limerick stuff at the beginning. I was like, oh man, I don't want this to be yeah, a dumb we... movie. You know, <laughs> yeah. like that's how you keep the monster away. You keep rhyming. <laughs> yeah. Such an odd choice. It's but apparently they say limericks in the novella, so I guess that they just kept that in the movie. But it just it doesn't work for me. Like who just knows limericks off the top of their head? <laughs> I, I definitely do not know limericks maybe. off the top of my head. There once was a boy named Bobby who had a disgusting hobby. <laughs> I'm not going to go. keep going. That's half of it. I like it. <laughs> But yeah, did you guys find the movie was too dark? Oh yeah, found, the scenes, oh you mean like uh, yeah. lighting was? The actual filming and the lighting was so yeah. dark. It reminded me of Game of Thrones, the last season during yeah. the battle. I won. Some of the scenes were just like impossible to actually tell what's going on. And I don't know if that was meant to happen on purpose so that you couldn't, you didn't really know. But that whole scene where she's kind of giving birth or whatever. I had no idea what was happening. I didn't even know who was on top of her, to be honest. I just couldn't tell when the rock lifted up. It was the grass people. And the roots were there. I'm like, are the roots people? And then I'm like, well, I guess they're trying to say that people are the roots or something has something to do with grass. Yeah. I don't know. But I found, like, just visually, it was hard to see what was happening. Yeah, it was very dark. I I completely agree. Uh, I didn't heed your advice. I didn't brighten up my screen, so I just kept going. (laughs) Did you guys ever think that maybe the movie is a uh, anti-pollution, anti-consumption movie? That instead of us consuming nature, nature is consuming us. Well, no, because they just end up surviving in the end. Spoiler alert: (laughs) Uh, they get away. So that's another issue I have. Like the whole time loop thing, and like you know, why didn't he come up the first time if that? Well, copies of them die. But then I think the reason was that so Ross, the main villain, gets killed. But then why didn't he just come back to life? I was waiting for that. I'm like, okay, this version died, but then because everyone else keeps reanimating, he'll come creek, back. Up a creek when it comes to time. But then travel. this guy touched a rock and then he became all knowing and then he just led them to the exit. But I don't know. Yeah, how come he didn't become evil? Okay, why but didn't I, he just leave. But guys, at the beginning of the movie, this is where okay, this is where the time loop stuff is so bizarre to me because like at the beginning of the movie um what's it called uh cal meets fucking little kid creepy kid tobin and tobin is like all you know he's all fucking disheveled and dirty and gross and you're like oh this is really creepy he's holding a dead crow (laughs) and so he's he follows him to this rock and then tobin is touching touching the rock so tobin was one with the rock but then they go back in time that version ross becomes what this this is completely <laughs> over my head. I w- I didn't follow that at all. I did not need that man. I, I don't know. I'm a simple mind. I just want no no I, I scary totally movie. Like, how come the Rock makes some of them evil and it just makes some of them more smart? It's like like was Tobin was Tobin evil? Because Tobin Tobin seemed to want to seem to want to like you know help him out a little bit. He was like touch the rock. You'll see what I mean. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no. but that, that was a version of Tobin, and then my my thought at first was that it's all like, it's like Groundhog Day, so I mm-hmm. thought maybe as soon as the three people died, then it would the whole thing would restart. But it seemed like because there was a scene with Cal, 
where there's all these multiple dead bodies of him. So he has died a bunch oh. of times. But then the other two didn't. So it's like Cal and Ross were in their own timeline, but then because they didn't die. But it, it's really confusing. It doesn't make any sense. Okay, because that... And I don't think... Maybe it's not meant to make sense, but... It really doesn't make sense for a time travel movie. kept alluding to that, to the, like, uh, you're going to die. We just keep dying and coming back, yeah. and then it keeps eating us. Because so. it's like, you know, there's kind of a few different ways you can do time travel. So it's like if you come back, and then you've created a parallel timeline, right? Or you come back, and then you change the future. So that's those are the two ways that I find movies normally do it. But this movie does not do that. It just does kind of whatever it feels like. And it's it funny that uses the time travel to just... Like, it's funny that the characters get lured in trying to help someone, and then the moral of the story at the end is don't try to help anyone. (laughs) Don't go in there. Just oh my god, yourself. That's so funny. All of it convinced her to keep her kid. So then I thought it was going to be some kind of commentary about abortion. abortion Yeah, exactly. Pro-choice, pro-life agenda kind of thing. I have a family now. (laughs) So sorry, not not to backtrack too much though in the movie, but when she like collapses when she's like contracting on the ground or whatever sorry contracting on the ground when she's feeling contractions is are we getting visions or images of the grass like in her business like yeah there's insemination going on yeah it's taking over the the baby okay (laughs) so that was weird (laughs) well i didn't understand i felt like it was trying to say the grass was a living thing and it I, I thought at the time that it was that the grass needs babies as ritual sacrifices, so it's which seemed to think what the rock thing was saying, but then he just takes out the baby and feeds it to her. So, yo, like, what was the sacrifice is... for? Like, what was the what was the grass's end game there? You know what I mean? I think they just touched t- the rock and he escaped. So it's like maybe the grass is like really lonely, you know, and he wants to create <laughs> this kind of grass club that everyone can join, and that way he'll always have friends forever. What? And you Someone... can either get part of the club by touching the rock, or you can uh, have some grass stuck up your hoo-ha. It's like those are the two <laughs> oh, ways Jesus. that you join the club. No, but hold on. On a on a, on a real note here, did what's not real? <laughs> well, no. I I really want to know something here. Did you guys both get that idea that she was being fed her baby? Yeah, that's what I thought immediately. Okay, I didn't. I didn't get that okay. at all. <laughs> I'll be honest. I didn't get that, and then I read online. I went online and read the summary to see if I had missed anything, and then it said it there. Whoa! But I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I thought they were just feeding her like mush and mud and grass. Yeah, me too. Dirt, but I didn't get that they were feeding her the baby. Me too. That was a very. I, I don't like seeing people chew or hearing people chew, and that was a really disturbing. So part that's for the me. exact moment that I was trying to eat my lunch, and I actually had to put my fork down. And was like, I need a pause here. In reality, she was probably eating like pasta, like with marinara sauce or something. But like, yeah, the sounds that she was making when wow. she was eating. Well, that's why right, the sounds. Chris, were, that's was... that's dark as hell. I didn't realize that it, they went that far. Well, that's why it go, it got ridiculously like over the top dark. It's like. But then again, what's the whole point of the sacrifice of the carvings if yeah. she's just going to give birth and then you're going to feed her the baby? Then yeah, what the fuck does the grass like, want? Just, what yeah. purpose are you and serving? Regeneration. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like, and they don't really they don't really explain. I mean, they don't explain a lot of things as we've clearly discussed, but they don't explain when when the ground caves in and you see like apparently there's this giant underworld of dead bodies and connecting to the stone and. I like that part kind of 
came out of left field for me. I mean, I, I understand, obviously, this is all supernatural shit and we're expected to not really understand everything, but why have that, why have the stone have a bunch of bodies underneath it? I mean, you're, just a weird it, is collecting, it is collecting bodies? Is that what it's we're supposed to It's implying that the, the stone is killing people and then keeping it there, but why? purpose? Or like... <laughs> I thought it was going to suck the baby into there. And then, yeah. again, Game of Thrones, another Game of Thrones reference. But Whoa. same way that the White Walkers, you know, take the baby. But she just crawled away from it. And I was like, expecting the people to crawl out after her. And that didn't happen. I thought the like, baby was going to be like the Prince of the Tall Grass or something. Like some <laughs> kind of prophesized baby. Like he's definitely in the Kyrogoth yeah, somewhere there. But then they didn't give a shit about the baby as soon as it was born. <laughs> so it's just, I don't know. I feel like trying to make sense of this movie is like walking into the tall grass, you know? So I do, the the last thing though, I guess, before we wrap up, um, I don't, I don't really, so Ross gets corrupted. Ross, the real estate agent, Ross, the real estate agent, that's his game. That's his field. He, he gets corrupted by this grass and he becomes evil. But then Travis is corrupted by the grass at the end of the movie when he kills, uh, Ross, uh, you know, oh, by the way, sorry, this is going to be a tangent also, but he's the way he squishes his wife's head, I that was really oh, um, wow, yeah, so that, unnecessary, just yeah. like <laughs> define the laws of physics and just like squeezing you like yeah. a pumpkin. There yeah, were like so, three gore scenes in this movie, and they were all shocking. And I was yeah, like, wow, this guy has the, the most uh, gougeable eyes of anyone <laughs> I've ever met. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, so he's both of those eyes. Dead so on, he also like, gets he also gets like super strength somehow because you can't just squish someone's head like that. Anyways, uh, I remember watching a whole like myth Mythbusters thing on uh, if you can okay. actually squish. Like, How do you know <laughs> if you can squish Oberyn's Oberyn Martell's head in Game of Thrones? Oh really? Yeah, oh. and they were like, it's impossible because you don't have that much force. Anyways, uh, so that uh, just a little tangent. I thought that was super gross. No, but yeah, that, was, yeah, we had well, that really ruins the realism. Of oh, you know Game one of the things that oh, we damn. have to mention. Oh no, we already mentioned the incest brother. We already talked about that. Never mind. I yeah. thought that was just so ridiculous. And that's the thing about wasn't that uh, ridiculous, Luke? <laughs> yeah, it was so ridiculous. I feel like I turned into a dog for a second there. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's the thing about Stephen King uh, novels and and the movies that get adapted. Like, there's always a, a fine line that he walks between creepy yeah. and campy and uh, and over the top. But this and, this has nothing to do with Stephen Stephen king right this was the director's yeah, creativity the director went off yeah. that that wasn't in the novella right that no, was just his no, own weird in the novella, serve... they say that the that this twit that the sister and brother are like really close but they don't say like to the point where the brother like that scene when they're in the bully that was a bowling alley anyways that scene when they're in that room and he's like uh <laughs> he's like oh yeah cal you want to fuck her i was like man that was what I could tell that's where it was going. I'm just like, but still, it's such a stretch. I think he loves you a little bit too much. Like it's just, yeah, I did not need that uh, at all. This they could have just stuck it with you know protective big brother. And I was trying to figure out their relationship for a while. I was like, okay, he wants to bang her. Okay, yeah. but she's saying like you don't know anything about girls' bodies. Yes. Like, okay, I thought they were just friends. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And then I thought they were brother sister. I'm like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Really and then the, and then the ending. Right? The and yeah, so this is what I wanted to say, though. Sorry, I know we just went on a tangent there, but those were definitely needed to say. But uh, I just didn't, I, I don't understand. So Travis was just this, like all, all knowing power at the end, and he was able to yeah. withhold the power of the field and, and transport. 
transport the kid Tobin into the church. So the church did end up playing a factor in the movie somehow. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I just don't understand why Travis was like this guy who is was it, able to. Is it meant to be? You know, the the dad was corrupt and he couldn't see through it, whereas this guy was pure-hearted and he redeemed himself by coming to save him. So then, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, I could buy that. I suppose. I guess the dad is. Yeah, like, then he has like the whole ring. Real estate agent. <laughs> Then the whole he reason the dying dad, in, the, uh, in the forest or whatever. The whole reason the dad's family got caught in the tall grass is because he was like fo- on his focused on his phone at first, right? So yeah, kind of shows his character right from stay the off your phone. Yeah, and then he whips out a random ins- <laughs> don't make your job in life. The mom, I'm like, wow, that guy's a douche. Yeah, well, he, your mother looked after her kid like she should have or something like that. Yeah, he throws out a lot of backhanded comments, and it's actually kind of funny. I think he says something to like to Travis as they're walking. He's like. Oh, I'm just messing with you, man. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I just remember when he was going into the grass, uh, Travis, he was like, uh, you guys don't go in the grass. And the dad's just like, it's a little late for that, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> that <was> so- <laughs> it's like, this is turn 1930s all of a sudden. <laughs> Anyways, guys. So this concludes our, our, you know, terrific segment on, uh, in the, in the tall grass. Uh, so as I said, in the first part, I was going to reveal what the audience score was for this movie. So the audience score here, they had over 600 reviews, 608 to be exact, and it's a 34%. So it was actually less than what they got on the, uh, the tomato meter. Um, I'll just kick it off. I think that I think that I want to, I'm, I'm unfortunately going to be boring here and I'm going to stick towards that range. I'm going to go 40% because I think with uh with name with notoriety like stephen king you kind of want to see what this movie's about so if you haven't been able to watch it and you just listen to us just for the fun of it then i get it but i would recommend watching it it's still a stephen king movie the first 20 minutes are worth it (laughs) and then after that it gets a little bit weird and uh crazy supernatural as most stephen king movies get but i'll go with 40 percent uh yeah i i I'm angry at this movie because I feel like it had potential to really be uh, a movie that keeps you thinking and keeps you guessing as to, you know, will they make it out? Uh, do they have any control at all? But I really didn't feel like they did have any control right from the beginning. Um, so, yeah, I would give them maybe like a 28%. Yeah, you know, as much as I wanted to have a different opinion of you guys on this one, <laughs> I find really it's quite similar in my end, you know. I thought the movie had a lot of potential and the way that they set the story up, they could have gone a lot of different ways with it, but they should have stuck with whatever way they went instead of doing all these different things. I think like the cinematography and the sound editing was really good. And so it really could have been like really unique, fun, like horror movie, but it kind of just went in over its head a little bit and got lost in its ideas. So because of what it could have been, I'm going to give it actually a 50% because I think you know, it had the potential to be something really cool. And the director just got a little bit overzealous and a little bit too much. And had he just chosen like one thing, if it was religion or the tribal thing or, or whatever, and just stuck with it, I think it would have been really good. So, All right, Fair enough. Well, guys, that's, uh, that's the end of our podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. This is episode three. We're going to come back with you. We're going to think about some more movies. We still haven't made a big list. Uh, we'll think about a next movie for, for, the fourth episode and uh we will hopefully cut out uh Bo, which is chris's dog he's, uh, he's very cute but at the same time this is really 
<laughs> a little bit a little bit surprising but uh yeah so uh we'll hit you up soon we have a guaranteed viewer in the dog man so there you go. <laughs> okay all right, all right guys take it easy boys bye bye